0: In this episode Danny and I cover all things money mindset and our conversation took lots of twists and turns so much so that we actually made this episode into two parts. So there's lots of tips around how to go about salary negotiations and after you finish we'd love to know your thoughts. So let's dive in. So, welcome to the Powering Authenticity podcast, the place for women looking to build successful careers by stepping into their power and learning how to balance it all. We believe helping women in their careers makes work better for everyone. When one woman rises, she helps others to rise too. So if you're looking to build a successful career, find your purpose or learn to balance it all by doing less and doing it better, then this is the place for you. So let's dive in. Danny, how's your week been?
1: Yeah, it's been really good. And it's nice to hear you do the introduction for once. You did very well. <laughs> I love it. I feel like Uh, sometimes I should pull my weight. (laughs) No, you did it really well. I'm going to have to up my game. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, my week's been fine. It's been really busy just doing all the things, juggling all the different projects. You know how it is. But I feel like I've had a really productive week. Like I'm definitely making progress in a lot of areas. Um, And yeah, I feel like my win of the week, if I can share it, is working out how to use the mic that I'm using today.
0: so i've just been giving danny a hard time because um these microphones that i have for another business of mine i um asked her if she could try and figure out how to work with them because my sound is particularly bad and she's just decided to just keep the mic so that her sound sounds better <laughs> in all seriousness it's actually a good point because um listeners we know our sound is rubbish we have great equipment on its way so just bear with us through the next couple of episodes until we get it all right yes danny's got her one percent improvement so (laughs) next week hopefully it'll be mine
1: (laughs) for sure and how's your week been jill
0: yeah, it's been good. Um, I mean, very much like, um, just I don't know where the week goes, to be honest. Um, but I know a lot of people will resonate with that. In terms of my win of the week, we always talk about this. I've just seen women around me killing it. Yeah. And I just love it, you know, and I love seeing it when women come together to support other women, which there's definitely been a lot of in my life. And, you know, there's another thing, actually, being... Recognizing that sometimes you need to lean on somebody else for their expertise. So I'll give you an example. I hate socials, as you know. And <laughs> um <laughs> so a colleague of mine is great at her LinkedIn. She's absolutely brilliant at it. So um she I've been I said to her she's got to be my new accountability coach for my LinkedIn. So I've quite enjoyed being on LinkedIn actually, um, because I've just tried to enjoy the interactions I'm having rather than think about it in a strategic way. That's been good this week. And it is a reminder that, do you know what? When someone's great at something, go lean on them.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's like, it's like, you can't always be the best at everything, can you? So well, you just as much want as everybody. I, yeah, as much as I want to be, <laughs> it yeah. just can't happen.
0: But it's, and not to go too off topic, but it's more than that. It's like, okay, I know I won't be the best. I know I can't be the best, nor, nor do I have a desire to be the best. It's, it's about mindset, right? Yeah. So yes, that's what showed up for me this week, celebrating the other amazing women in my life and uh, yeah, finding people to be my accountability buddies on the areas of growth. I think that's really important. And actually, what we're going to talk about today, i seen it on LinkedIn. So mm-hmm. here we go. Thank you, LinkedIn. And it was the Social Mobility uh, Foundation's article on the pay class gap. Um, and they identified, unsurprisingly, Danny, but still disappointingly, um, that there's still a massive pay gap um, for people from working class backgrounds when compared to people from middle class or upper class backgrounds. Um, and the situation gets worse when it comes to women. Again, no surprise. Yeah. But just to for our listeners, so basically they found that professional workers from a working class background, especially women, earn much less. So the, um, the annual difference is £6,291. If you think about it in the simplest terms, there's people from a working class background in professional jobs doing the exact same job as people from middle class or upper class backgrounds that are getting almost six grand less and we know it right because we're working class we, we're women with working class backgrounds so yeah we understand this and then so the average salaries when you compare the average salaries from those with coming from a professional background that's what, the way they've described it it's nearly 52 000, um, and 45 000 for people from working class origins so wow yeah it doesn't surprise me but I thought it's like mm-hmm. you know Danny you touched on um the topic in our first episode when you were talking about salary negotiations and I thought actually it's probably just a really good topic for us to have a chat about um because it's definitely shown up for me my whole career yeah. Um, and um I have also had a few different conversations over the last couple of weeks where like what some with mente- mentees, with people I work with, but also friends, you know, I've mm-hmm. had conversations with friends about their money mindset. So yeah, let's dive in. What's your
1: thoughts on that, Dan? It does not surprise me in the slightest that that is what's showing up. I think it's something that is going to be impacted tenfold given the current circumstances that I suppose globally we're in I don't think it's just even in the UK you know we're going through really tough times at the moment we've been through really tough times and I think even with like Covid you will see that the gap between the classes has like significantly got bigger as well so it doesn't surprise me in the slightest It's shown up for me in my professional career. It's shown up for my friends when I've talked to them about it. You know, I see it with a lot, particularly career coaches, right? They'll be like, go and do the job you love. But there's also like a stark reality that people need to be paid to live, right? And with all the best will in the world, like, and I know this has shown up for my friends, You know, they have to, at the end of the day, say, "Okay, I would love to go and do this. But like the base reality that they're in is I have bills to pay and I have realities around that that I need to focus on.
0: But I suppose at the heart of this, what this is saying is for whatever reasons, and we can dive into what the reasons are, what I think they are, women like let's focus on women working class women are earning less in the workplace doing the same jobs. right now this is not new to us we know that there's a gender pay gap and everything else so you know what's it going to take like 145 years I think they they say that it's going to take to close the gender pay gap but let's dive into that what is causing that Because that isn't just about women going out and studying or whatever, because everyone has to have that. It's about us. For some reason, we are not able to execute the pay grade that our peers are or our colleagues are who come from a middle class Mm -hmm. background or had professional parents and you know, that's that's still a big problem in our society. Now, I think there's three main reasons for it. One, financial education in schools. So I think when you start as a child, um, or if, if you've been grown up, and uh, where you don't have a lot of money, we're not seeing an abject poverty or that, where money is like not flowing freely then you're automatically starting with a scarcity mindset, right? So you've got a scarcity mindset around money. And also, there's no room for education around money. But the lack of education as a child, like, did you learn about pensions? Did you learn about investing? Did you learn... I don't know, like about actually saving properly. I didn't, right? Because yeah. again, you're being brought up in an environment that where money is scarce. Mm-hmm. And so that that to me is the first part that we really need to address is financial education in schools, because that will start to level the playing field. And then the second thing, Danny, is our mindset. <laughs> <laughs> and again, because we, you know, you're always going to, even where you've got financial education in school, you're always going to have that mindset because you've not had enough, right? And mm-hmm. um, so it's a constant battle around our grow- growing our mindset to challenge our uh, perceptions around money. And the third thing, and the hardest like what you say, nut to crack, is organizational change, because we still exist in an environment where there is no transparency around pay. Yeah, And by the way, like, you know, we're all guilty of it, right? Because we make assessments on pay for various different reasons, but you should be able to explain what those reasons are. Uh, If people are doing the same job, the exact same job, there shouldn't be disparity. There shouldn't be pay disparity because if somebody else is doing uh, something in addition to their normal duties, then they should have a different role, right? Yeah. Organizations do hide behind the lack of transparency. And again, that goes back to our mindset: is we're less likely to ask. You know, we're less likely to ask for a pay rise. We're grateful for the money we get paid. And especially when you come from a working class background to a professional background, because you're like, oh, why do I get all this money? You just, yeah, you just don't know how to ask for that. Or you feel guilty about asking for yeah. money that you owed.
1: I think you're absolutely spot on because, you know, my parents work really, really hard growing up. And that I'm sure you're the same, Jill. Like, yeah. I came from a background where I was always cared for. There was always food on the table. We always had a roof over our head. But expendable cash just was not a thing when i was growing up we lived paycheck to paycheck to paycheck we budgeted every single penny and i think that scarcity mindset is something that i still have to this day as somebody now for my age and everything i get paid very well and but i still have that mindset i i think i will always have that mindset of always being very wary of living paycheck to paycheck and I think if you're coming from a background where there is expendable cash, you can take more risks. I think you hold yourself with a bit more confidence as well in the workplace, because I definitely feel that I I've definitely had that grateful aspect of pay. So I feel like in the past I've always been like, oh, I should be grateful that I get this pay. I should be really grateful I have this job. But what I would say is, somebody who's maybe from another working, not from a working class background, had that expendable cash, they, they're not thinking like that. They're just categorically not.
0: I can resonate with that gratitude as well, Danny, because I think that we all experience that and it takes time to work through that. Um, I think about when I was younger and first started running hotels. I think I got my first general manager gig when I was 20. So I was running, you know, a big hotel. I'm just so grateful for the opportunity. And I should, I'm right to be grateful for the opportunity mm-hmm. because objectively... I was growing into a role, you know, I wasn't really qualified at that time to do the role I was, but like I worked my ass off to get there, right? And then throughout my 20s, um, I don't think I ever asked for a pay rise like until I was about 27. Mm-hmm. And then, and it was, I realized somebody was earning like nearly 20 grand more than me for running a, a sister oh, hotel that was performing like way worse on all the KPIs, but they were a middle-aged man. I couldn't believe there was some so much naivety in me that I couldn't believe that I would be paid that much less than somebody else and I think what it stemmed from is me being really grateful like you've discussed yeah yeah going up and you know being really grateful up to that point
1: and I think that's that's the thing I'm talking about with the people from other class backgrounds maybe holding themselves with a bit more confidence as well because I feel like they might be more confident to say, actually, I need to be paid the same as that person. Of course they are. Yeah, whereas I, and I know I've talked about this and touched about it a little bit on the the first episode of the podcast, but this has shown up for me in my professional career. And it was one of the most awkward conversations I've ever had, but I don't want to rehash it, but to kind of deep dive into like where I was at at that point, I felt so deeply uncomfortable approaching an employer to ask to be paid for more there was a little voice in my head that was saying you're not worth this you're you're not worth this money you should not be asking for more money and kind of like a who do you think you are to ask for that but I think what you're saying as well is organizations can hide behind it and they do but there's a part on us as well, where we need to kind of take the reins a little bit and be more confident and speak up. Because I think back to that point, if I hadn't spoken up, I would still be getting paid that money to this day. That is the point,
0: right? I think you're bang on, Danny, because we take the example of you. And again, we talked about this. I remember at the time, you know, it's terrifying when you the first time you have to do that and I think back to that situation in my 20s when I went asked for more money I got more money and I also got a much better bonus structure yeah because the other part of this conversation is knowing how to leverage your skills you know so it's not just about getting your worth it's then taking it to another level and being like actually this is what I bring to the table over and above that and I still find it so incredibly uncomfortable having discussions around money, having discussions around salary negotiations, even Danny pricing services I offer, and um, because there's always that balance, isn't there? There's like, okay, am I worth this? Yeah. But equally I am have enough sense to understand that if I undersell myself, then people will perceive that as less value. Yeah. And I I think that's the other part of what you're seeing is you having the value in yourself also reminds the other person of the value you bring to the table, right?
1: And, you know, it's it's one of the key points for me where mentorship showed up as well, because I know when I was approaching that situation, you were one of the first people that I called Jill because I need some outside perspective on this because Let's be serious. Your ego is always going to come into that conversation and you need to have a different perspective. I
0: think that's such an important point, Danny, because it is when it's hard for us to see ourselves in the best light, then looking to the people around us for that support is really, really important. And obviously, there's also other tools like Glassdoor or like PayScale, where you can go and see what do people get, like the equivalent of in this role. Yeah. And that's really important as well, because that allows you to take a step back and say, okay, it's not up to me to value my worth against my colleagues. It's like, what does the market pay for mm-hmm. the skills that I have? And so, yeah, go out and find people, like work with a mentor, but actually just speak to your pals and go and look, go and do the research. What is the market value for this? And when you start thinking about the market value, then that helps. Another conversation I had, Danny, with a mentee not that long ago was going back to this gratitude thing is breaking down your hourly rate, you know, because we're all salaried now, right? Yeah. And it's great when you look at your contract versus the amount of hours you work, but a lot of people work way more Mm -hmm. than what their hours are. So, um, you know, if you're pulling, I don't know, like a 45 hour week, 50 hour week on a salary that is based on a 37.5 hour week, then break that down and see actually yeah. How much is it that you're getting paid an hour? Because I can tell you, most of the time it's not enough.
1: Yeah, I think maybe it would be kind of helpful to even talk about how I approached going into that kind of yeah, conversation idea, with my Annie. employer. So you touched on market research. That was one of the first things that I did because it's like, when you're talking about getting that perspective, it's I needed to see baseline where I was at amongst my other peers. So that was one of the first things that I did. The second thing I did, so I want to go to my employer and say, I need to be paid more. I had to back that up with evidence to show this is why. So my second point of call was to start thinking about, well, what are my skill sets? What do I bring to the team? Like what have been my achievements, my big achievements in the last year or so? And I compiled all of that. It was like, here's my argument. Here's my evidence. The next thing that I tried to do was, Really, just go in and like ask, have the confidence to go in and ask and know my worth. So, I had the evidence, I knew the market worth. It was then just grinning, beating it, going in, having the confidence, knowing my worth, and asking that employer. Now, I would say the thing that's really important about this, because I think a lot of people could go in and they might get knocked back or they might get a compromise and they might feel okay, like, you know, I've, I've not done this correctly, you have to think about the timing. So for me, I knew that timing was really important, because the the budget that was within my yeah. office, you know, it it will come for allocation, and they review it every, every time, a different time every year. So I knew that when I was approaching it, it was coming up to that budget negotiation. So I timed it to co-align with that so that when they were making the decisions about what money was going where, they on the top of their list or in the top of their mind was Danny's asked for a salary rise, you know. So timing is really important because sometimes employers will want to, you know, with all the goodwill in the world, want to pay you what they can. But if the timing doesn't work, it might be that they'll say, I can't pay you that right now. Yeah. But next year I can, you know. So yeah. I think timing is important. Um, and the other thing I would say is, be prepared for counter offers and like try and active listen and, yeah, be like very diplomatic um with how you deal with counter offers. Negotiation's going to happen in salary negotiations. So yeah. I think it's important to recognize that. But what I would say is that really stick to your point so if they come in with a counteroffer you're really wanting to reiterate well here's the list of my achievements and why i'm worth that you know you really want to reiterate that because that that will happen and it does happen people will come back with counteroffers you've got to look at the whole package see if you can align it with the company's goals or whatever you're working for your employer as well but those were the things i put in place when i was asking for mine And I remember how nervous I was when I approached my employer about it. I literally was like, it was nothing short of really like a PowerPoint presentation. Literally off the bat, they were like, yeah, okay, that's fine. Yeah, we can do that. And I was like... Do not want to like go. Yeah, I think answer. I said
0: that to you I think I said that to you when we were talking already, Danny, about this subject. Is a time before when I was looking at a bonus structure. You know, I literally done like a whole business report on. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Um, it is really really interesting. And thanks, Danny. I think that'll be really really helpful for listeners to have thought about that process and be really logical about the process you're going through. Mm-hmm. There's two points around that. Is like first of of all there's this book every week there's always a book right mm-hmm. which is called never split the difference and um it's about the art of negotiating and not settling for the middle so taking everything that you've said because everything you said is bang on the money but I wonder then if the the best way for people to approach it is to be like, what's your minimum baseline that you're not going to negotiate? Yeah. So because yeah, maybe maybe splitting the difference isn't isn't okay. You know because if you've already established that that's what you're worth, you've done the thinking about timing, you understand the budget constraints, and you're yeah. asking, is this a reasonable and realistic market value offer?
1: Then if it is
0: a market value offer and that person says no, and I'm not talking about if they say I can't do it right now, but we'll do it in six months Mm -hmm. because that's like fair enough, but that has to be in your like baseline. So Mm -hmm. I will wait X amount of time and this is the minimum and never ask for the minimum that you're going to accept. Yeah. So if you're asking for like a 5k pay rise, then ask for a 7.5k of pay rise, yeah. right? Because if you're going to do what you're saying, Danny, and negotiate, then let them negotiate to the position that's above mm-hmm. where you actually want to land. Yeah. So hopefully that is a adds a little bit of extra... Um, in there for listeners the other thing that I think is really important is the p- employer perspective because you raise these really important points about sometimes it's just not possible yeah like we have budget constraints that can be difficult I've dealt with it both ways I've dealt with it where I have had a salary discussion with member staff and been like yeah I can do that and sometimes it might be I can do it in six months yeah. I can do it now wh- however that plays out I've also had the other conversation of going you're not there yet yeah and I think listening to that conversation and what your employer says when you have that conversation is also important now you might have uh it might be non-negotiable as we just spoke about it might be non-negotiable for you be like well actually this is the market value this is what I think I'm worth and that's fine if they say no you go find another job but if you have an employer's it's you know genuinely trying to work with you and they say you're not there yet here's the reasons why then the question you need to then ask is what do I need to grow in in order for this to be my my trajectory and they should then be saying okay these are the areas of growth this is what that will look like and I would ask them to sit and work out a plan with you because what you don't want that what to happen is it for it to be kicked into long grass mm-hmm. so if you say okay I, I hear you you're not able to do that I want to grow into the role and into the salary that I want here's what you're telling me is what I need to do can we then have another discussion in three months time yeah and then if it doesn't hit then can we then have a discussion in another six months time and you make sure that you have milestones in there yeah because sometimes employers can be <laughs> a little bit really about these things but you want to have key milestones built into your pay goals.
1: yeah you answered my question because my question was going to be like should you put a time allocation on these things because yeah. I would definitely think that that was important because as you say it'll just get kicked into the long grass if not it's
0: just like anything right any one of us in our in our jobs have goals or we have projects with outcomes so just look at your outcomes you've got right this is the pay i'm after and yes there will be some times where there's not a meeting of minds it Mm -hmm. won't always be capabilities there'll be some times where the value is seen differently for whatever reason and that can be hard but don't take like you said danny don't take that as a oh they hate me they don't think i'm good enough um you know because your employer can also see the bigger picture they can see what everyone else is on and such like and again that's when it comes back to there should be a bit more transparency around pay for people who do the same jobs I (laughs)
1: think there should be transparency and I think I don't know if this is just like a a UK culture thing, but we definitely have this thing where we're quite—we don't talk about our salary, do we? we? Like, keep it very like quiet and. You well, know, like, it can be a bit, yeah. A bit. Going
0: back to the pay gap, right? So this is a really good example of where I've seen that played out. So I used to work for a public organisation that had published um a pay scales and a pay structure right so you start on this rung you move up to this rung you move up to this rung you move up to that right and i worked in a team with um lots of project managers and this is how that plays out so say for instance you've got two project managers employed into that team at the same job one project manager who who was like let's say We'll talk hypothetically. Hypothetically is a middle-aged man um, would come into that interview and say, great, I'm glad I got the job. I obviously don't want to start in the bottom of that pay scale because of the experience I bring to the table. And I can tell you that works. I've seen that work and play out and rightly so, by the way, as well, because if they believe that they're coming in with more experience, I don't think they're in the wrong. They're saying, actually, don't want to start on the bottom of the pay scale. And quite often the person recruiting would say, yeah, that's fine. Here's where we can put you on that pay scale. And then say you get someone like me (laughs) who would start in that job. Um, I would never even think about that, or wouldn't have, now I would, mm-hmm. I wouldn't even have thought about that, because I'd be like, okay, when you start a job, you start in the bottom rung of the salary, right, yes. that's that's the way I look at it, Um, and again, that's where this gap comes from, because I can tell you, that's a, that's a real example of how that gap happens, I go into a job, I'm on the bottom rung, happy, that was the salary I thought I was going to get, great, the guys mm-hmm. come in, yeah, I've got xyz experience don't want to start at the bottom they negotiate that and that's where they start and so we have a seven grand pay gap in real time right
1: yeah it's all it's all down to confidence and speaking up for yourself because I I would be exactly the same I would be exactly the same I'd be like okay I've just started I'm on the bottom rung I need to work myself up I know men are not coming into that conversation like that.
0: So lovelies, that's where we're wrapping up this episode and I hope you found our conversation helpful. Remember that the examples that we've shared in this episode show that when we work on our money mindset, it really can change the game around our salary expectations and my top tips for going into those salary negotiations are research the market, Find out what other people are being paid. You know, have a look at websites that compare salaries for different career paths. Really understand what your market value is before you go into the discussions. And then when you're in the discussion, Don't start with the amount you want to land. If you want to earn £45,000, then say that you want to earn £50,000. And who knows, you might even get your expectations exceeded. But never go into a salary negotiation asking for the money that you actually want. Always ask for higher. And lastly, if the answer is no, there's two options. You can and should consider whether it's the right organisation for you because you should be paid your worth. But if you are working with a manager who genuinely is invested in putting together a growth plan for you, then make sure that you understand what the targets are that you need to hit in order to reach your pay goal aspirations. And make sure that key milestones are built in along the way so that the conversation is a continual conversation and doesn't end with a no. So listen Pushing yourself out of your comfort zone is hard. I know that. Danny knows that. But you've got this and we've got you. So let's keep growing and stretching ourselves. And remember to tune into the second part of this episode or podcast because Danny and I take the conversation into how the roles we take on as women shape our value in the workplace or how our value is viewed in the workplace. <laughs>